This program is for educational purposes. It fits within YouTube's guidelines under the context of science. Fucking hell. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for all of our Canadian people. Do me a favor, buy a pack of effigen from them today. Take a couple tabs and think of me. Dave, we got a bunch of stuff going on today. How you doing? <laughs> So you've just told people to effectively buy speed. And take it. Yeah. yeah. That's what you do when you yeah. buy it. You buy it and you take it. You take it all. And you can get it for a really good deal, too, uh, at our sponsor, supplementsource.ca. And it is legal in Canada. That's one of the great things about being in Canada is that you get ephedrine uh, over the counter as a, as a performance supplement. I got something for you. I think that we need to officially say that Matt is our number one cabbage head. Why? Oh, he's got a Christmas cabbage. Good lad. Dude, he spent like $50 in shipping on this thing. <laughs> it was like nine bucks, but $50 in shipping. So shout out to Matt. Oh. He officially owns his very own Christmas cabbage just in time for Christmas cabbage's birthday. Oh, and Matt's here. He says, sorry, I'm late. He didn't know when we were starting, like it was his fault or something. Anyway, uh, we do have some good stuff today. Uh, you guys listening uh, on YouTube, feel free to comment uh, with your questions. We'll tackle them on the next episode. And speaking of which, thank you guys for all your awesome feedback on the previous episode. Uh, all your comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost our program up in the algorithm. And listen, if you are new to our show, then do us a favor hit the subscribe button. Do yourself a favor, I should say. Hit the subscribe button because we have several podcasts coming out each week and a lot of them are much, much better than this one. So don't let this program... No. Yeah, don't let this program be, you know... Please please don't judge the channel on this shite you're watching at the moment. <laughs> so here's what we've got going on today. Um, oh. We are going to discuss second cycles and beyond, you know, we covered uh, first cycles, uh, what, what we thought would be a good way to get into using uh, anabolics for bodybuilding. Uh, and now we're going to say, hey, where do you go from there? You know, because I think, Dave, a lot of times people are like, all right, I did one cycle. I followed the rules. I didn't use trend. Now I'm ready to use trend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I apologize for my yawningness. I had a, a very rough night last night and uh, I am suffering a bit today. Why? What happened? I just got really bad acid reflux. Um, Did you want to write in a question to our program and I can answer it for you to help you with that? No, it's okay. Don't you trust our advice? No, not at all. Oh, yeah. Good point. Would you buy a used car from these two gentlemen? <laughs> Well, we do have some stuff to share today. Second cycles and beyond. Where where do we even start with this topic, Dave? Uh, let's 
well, you do a first cycle. That's the first thing. Sure. You can't do a second cycle until you've done a first cycle. People, I think that there's a, there's a load of things. I mean, let's let's start with the obvious: is you do not need to necessarily up the dose. You can run your first cycle again, and it may be just as productive as it was the first time, or somewhere near. So, it isn't an automatic that you need to up the dose, particularly if you know that on your first cycle there were mistakes. Mm, yeah. You know, in diet or training or whatever it may be. So if you know that those areas could have been much improved, then it's worth considering just running the same dose again and addressing the areas where you failed in the previous cycle. So most people will automatically assume that second cycle, I need to go up. Not necessarily the case. You could argue that you would repeat the first cycle to it stop yielding results and then you would consider going up. And you, obviously, because of the nature of a cycle, you can increase it during the cycle. So if you did, let's say you did a standard 500 mig first cycle, got good results, went on it again, got good results, went on it a third time, four or five weeks in, you're not really seeing anything. Well, at that point, you can up the dose or you can add a second compound. And that would be the natural progression is to add a second compound. Yeah. Um, I'd stick with one. Uh, and the very simple thing is, at this point, you have a rough idea of how you respond to your initial dosing and your initial drug, which is going to be, in most cases, testosterone. So you've got an idea where you sit. Add one more compound, and if you start seeing changes and problems, you know they're most likely driven by the second compound. Yes, yes. If you add, if you add two, then it's like, well, which one is doing what? And bear in mind that this is part of an individual's learning curve in seeing how their body responds to the different drugs to take. We know the basic action of these drugs, but there are some areas that are gray and can vary from person to person, like someone's individual sensitivity to estrogen, someone's individual conversion rate to estrogen, same with prolactin and other side effects that we see from various drugs. And it also depends on what your goal is as well. So for argument's sake, if we're looking at someone who's more concerned with condition, then a very obvious second compound would be Mastron. Okay. I like I like it, Mast. I like Mast better yeah. than Primo. It, here's one of my reasons why. We always hear, well, first of all, Primo's expensive. Yeah. But second of all, I feel like because Primo is expensive and it is more often to be faked, you're more likely mm -hmm. to get real master on, just in my experience. <clears throat> no, I, I would agree with that, definitely. Uh, you know, if you're looking for more of a bulking, you'd probably look to Decker. Uh, and it, so it, it's not you. You could even run your initial single compound, but at a higher dose. Yeah. Um, I like the second cycles, compound. But I like the second compound idea better. I feel like. I, I think it probably is. Uh, but. I mean, you know, there's there's something to be said for a, a test-only cycle at higher doses. It does have its impacts, and it can work very, very well. And, hey, listen, maybe you, what about if we had a guy that ran that first test cycle low? Let's say that he ran 300 milligrams because he just wanted to kind of, you know, get in light. Then, hell, yeah, that would be a great example of a cycle where you would just, say, up the test for the second cycle, yeah. and you'd do fantastic with it, 500, say. People seem to think that a cycle is better the more complicated it is. And in my personal opinion, um, a cycle is better the simpler it is. Hmm. Hmm. 
I'm, and I see a lot of cycles that are what I would class as the kitchen sink approach. Yeah. So, you know, they just throw everything in and there's just no real logic to it or, or reasoning behind it apart from just to try and make it look fancy. Yeah. Fancy never, fancy never made anyone grow. Um, keep it simple. Therefore, it's easy to manage. Therefore, it's easy to make it effective. Yeah. You start complicating it, it then becomes difficult to manage, and then it becomes difficult to make it effective because you just – I mean, you can overpower anything with just more anabolics to a degree. Sure. Um, but, you know, if you want to approach this with a, a view to long-term use and long-term health, then it's just steady, consistent steps. You know, we, we up the dose or we add a second compound. We do that for a cycle. We then made a cycle after that. Think, I'm going to do the two same injectables I did last time. I had good results, but I'm going to play with an oral this time as well. Hmm. And so we, each time you move forward, you change different things. And, and you might then go, well, this next time I'm going to do test mast and D-ball, uh, and you don't get on with D-ball at all. You find the estrogen too difficult to manage. It just doesn't work for you. So there you go. Straight away, you've learned, right, D-Bell's not really for me. I'll put yep. that to one side. Next five, I consider an oral. I'll look for something else. Yeah. And you know you're still going to have a productive um, cycle if you pull that D-Ball out because you know what you've, yeah. you know, you know what you've had before and, and lesson learned. I I totally agree with you. And I do think that the, the, the worst case scenario for any cycle is you create complications that make you have to take a step back. People always end up pushing it, pushing it, things are going good, and they keep pushing it until things suck, until they have a problem, and then you have to spend three weeks backpedaling just to kind of get back to health again because gyno is acting up, you ruined your appetite, you know, whatever, you're getting terrible acne. You know, just avoid those things from the start, and that's going to be really what the best cycle comes down to, right? The thing is, if things go wrong, there is nothing wrong with going, whoa, stop, Boom, off, start again. Yes. You know, the people, we, we seem to feel that we can't end a cycle early. We can't go backwards in a cycle. Of course you can. And sometimes it's beneficial to do so. Yeah. If things are going wrong, stop. Simple as. Stop. Either stop the drugs, reduce the dose, but do something, but just stop things from going wrong. And if that's six, eight weeks into a cycle, things go a bit pear-shaped, and it's just a case of toxicity is built up or you've just, you didn't have enough of a break between your two cycles. So overall, you're starting to struggle a little bit. Stop, call it done, take your break, learn your lesson, reset for the next push. Dave it might be you get... have you ever had you ever done that in your own bodybuilding? Because I feel like for me, I would be like, well, I'm starting to get like gyno. Why don't I just like take more AI, but don't stop taking the D-ball. You know what I mean? I, I have done and I haven't done. So I've suffered the consequences for not doing and I've had the brain cells at times to actually do it. <laughs> um, but I, I don't in any way lighten that it can be difficult from a mental perspective to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, we feel that reducing the dose or stopping is going backwards and it isn't necessarily so. You know, it, it really isn't. It, if something's not working for you, it's not working for you. And if you can't find out what it is, then sometimes you have to pull everything back and start again until you discover what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, you know, I mean, I, I've got a client who struggles 
Every cycle he goes on, he starts feeling sick about six, eight weeks in. Okay. Everyone, every single one. So we've we've messed around, and we've had to pull doses right back, uh, and then and 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 run light, and then we've messed around with chains right. No, try not. No, and it's been a case. It's been about three or four half-hour cycles. Hmm. Well, we've had to stop him early because he's. And we finally found a compound that he gets on with. Okay. What 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 is it? What compound does he like? <laughs> EQ of all fucking. Things. Hey, EQ is a great <laughs> compound, man. It's it's not as hard hitting as as Deca for growth, but man, I th- no. I, I really like it. It's a good it's a good compound. I, I, he, he he's very. I think he's very sensitive to the stress factors from compounds. Oh, okay. Um, and we found that with EQ, he, he copes with it well. Um, it, it might be that next cycle we put the EQ up higher and we turned out we have a problem there. So it, but it's all a learning curve. And then you learn and you address and you're learning. You know, and, and all the time everything's improving, your knowledge is improving until you get to the point where you really know how your body works and what makes you grow. And then you lean into those and at things. That point you're, yeah, at that point you're an experienced lifter and you're an experienced user. You understand the mechanisms at play, and then you can start fixing things on the fly because you've got a much better understanding of what does what. So I know how I react to this. I know what that is. That must be that. So if I do that, I can fix that. You know, and, and start to move forward. But you need to gain that knowledge. Yes, I would agree totally. Well, I feel like this is a this is a a, a good little mm-hmm. place to stop the segment to end this segment. I feel like we've. We put out some some solid info. Is there anything else we're missing though that we should add to this? That's I guess as we wrap this up, that's what I'm thinking. Well, I, I just in the same way as you're not going to walk into a gym and bench 500 pounds on your very first day unless you're a freak, you're not going to walk into your first cycle on test trend, you know, and fucking everything else. Yeah. Like everything, you just you need to learn, um, and that that. Though you can learn quite a lot from listening to clever people like Scott Stevenson, um, at the end of the day, there becomes a point when you just have to try it and see how you get on with it. Yeah. Scott had a question. He says, is it true that ephedrine enhances any AAS cycle? Yes, it is absolutely true. In fact, uh, ephedrine enhances your life, period, no matter what you're doing. It's just not good for fuck. sleep. Just don't take it before it, bed. That's the only time. Fucked me. Fucked me up badly. You don't like ephedrine? Well, it's not. I, I used to love this stuff. I loved it a little bit too much, and then it okay. caused me serious anxiety problems. Oof. Yeah, I, I could see that with too much of it. That's for sure. But I, I was dropping double figures daily. Whew. I'm uh, I'm using albuterol now. I have a prescription for it, and uh, I, I've been taking literally two milligrams a day um i get a, i get it prescribed at four milligrams three times a day but i've only been taking two milligrams in the morning just helps my lungs you know helps me to breathe a little bit better it's uh it's working and it's legal unlike clen which my doctor didn't want to write me a script for that for some reason i wonder why you can't that's why dave you can't We've got some questions. There's a um, bit of a clomp down on Clem coming out of China as well. Is there? What's the deal? Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, they've changed the legal status of it over there. So now suppliers are getting a bit more reluctant about making it. No kidding. Huh. 
There's mm-hmm. always something. They changed it. So like you weren't, should... you weren't allowed to use it in farming anymore for hogs or something. And and then they there was a big scare. It was going to go away for that reason. But oh, no, I mean, it's a market, so there will always be those that are willing to take the risk to provide that market. At the end of the day, you know, cocaine is pretty much illegal in every fucking country that it exists. <laughs> in. But there's shit tons of it fucking about. You know what I mean? So as long as there's a market and money to be made, people will produce it. Yeah, um, I don't think that's ever going to fucking change. But at the moment, there's been a bit of blip in supply chains as well. Yeah. Huh? No kidding. Well, pay attention to that, guys. Let us know. Let us know. As a matter of fact, if you've noticed any difference in your personal sourcing supplies, I'd be curious to hear more about this with with uh, Clen. Uh, but like I said, we do have some questions. The first question I have, I don't have a screen cap of it, like I like to put up. It, it was uh, asked on one of our old episodes. Like once in a while, we get somebody who watched an episode from like 40 shows ago and they comment with a question. I usually only take the questions like directly off the latest episode. Uh, I did want to answer this one, but I can't I can't find it to show you guys the screen cap on video. Uh, his question was, how would you develop a cycle for CrossFit? Sorry, did you say something? I thought I heard a bad word. How would you develop a cycle for CrossFit? What? For what? Do you not, Dave? Do you not? Do you not like CrossFit? Is that what I'm getting from you? Are you against CrossFit? I'm. I'm not against CrossFit. Actually, CrossFit is 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 very hard. Yeah. Um, I don't think we could do it. Fuck that! I can't even do cross stitch, let alone crossfit. <laughs> um, I I, th- I think the problem is not so much with crossfit; it is with, shall we say, a portion of the people who invest themselves in that activity. Hmm. Kind of like vegans. Oh, vegans! They're vegan crossfit. So kind of. I don't no, know much kinda about. Kind of like it. vegans. Are. Yeah. So oh, you know, oh. like. That militant sort of approach to stuff just just gets on my tits a bit. But anyway, it's on your a cycle for CrossFit. <laughs> uh, well, you're you're looking you're looking less mass, more performance. Yes, you're not looking for physical body mass gain really. So your your compounds like Decker are probably going to be if they're in there to some joint support, they're probably going to be quite low. Yeah. Um. So they're going to run background sort of dosages there. Um, test is pretty universal. You can use that really for any any performance-based sport to an extent. But I would have said you're probably going to lean more towards the DHTs. Yeah, I would think so too. I'm very politically correct. I I would think um, I would think something like the same way that I would. Uh, or, or at least similar in the way that I would set up a cycle for an athlete, meaning somebody who's performing a sport, be it mm-hmm. uh, track, uh, be it an MMA fighter. I, I, I would think along those lines more. So, of course, power and strength being a, a key to it. Um, but there's a lot of endurance, a lot of endurance. Yeah. And, and on that note, um, 
you know, EQ, depending yeah. on where they are, could, could be a, a nice little addition to a CrossFit cycle. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I could see, I could see a combo of maybe a little bit of test, some EQ, like three. If they're especially if they're inexperienced, just like three hundred milligrams, and then maybe some Anavar on top of that. Yeah, or the other thing I was thinking, maybe something along the lines of three hundred test, three hundred EQ, four hundred mass. Yeah, I could see that too. And what with by the way, with Anavar, I would only say like twenty milligrams. Because you don't need a lot for performance enhancement. You know, we're, we're not talking about, like, you know, building massive muscle here. We're talking about increasing performance. 20 milligrams would give you a nice little bump. But I can see mass being a nice nice compound in there for mm-hmm. sure. Well, mass, mass would also help to a small degree with the coordination stuff. What do you mean? DHT. Well, DHTs do supposedly have an impact on eye-hand coordination. Um, so they can help with that side of performance as well, i.e. help you get your technique better. Huh. Ephedrine, too. How about that? Uh, Are we sponsored by Ephedrine today or something? Well, no, but we got on the topic. I mean, if you're in Canada, we kind of are. Because... Are you, are, you try, are you trying to get sponsored by Ephedrine? Is this what it is? I mean, like, we've tried the Lamborghini thing. That didn't work. Um, we've tried the rain thing. That doesn't really work. So is it now Ephedrine you're after? Is that what you... I, I would love that. Anymore? This program is kind of like the way that, like, the Milk Council... You probably don't know about this, but, like milk would sponsor things like ephedrine like you know this program is brought to you by ephedrine the best fat burner in the world take it so i have a question i have a question yeah why is this show brought to us by things that you want things that i you don't want ephedrine everybody wants ephedrine I i want cake well it doesn't fit with our... Why not? Why can't we be sponsored by Ben and Jerry's or something? That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Especially if they made our own flavors. Oh, fuck it out. The drugs and stuff flavor. Yeah, oh, like the Scott Dave, Dave flavor. Like your, your, your favorite treats, so, you know? So if you were an ice cream, what flavor would you be, Scott? Well, I don't know. I like things with like the stuff in it, like the caramel and the chocolate. Kind you of mean like caramel. I already told you they only say that word that way when they're trying to make it fancy. Luscious center of soft, glowing caramel. Huh. You got me thinking, man. A whole market that we haven't tapped into. You could, you know. I, I do think, though. We could have a Christmas cabbage flavor. Cabbage flavored ice cream. Now we're on to something. I think everybody would want that. Um. I do think though ephedrine is a great compound for uh, for like e- explosive training. You know, I could imagine increasing your lung capacity with that. Uh, you know, it'd be a it'd be a nice little uh, dude. I'd totally take some ephedrine if I was doing CrossFit or MMA for that matter. Like two tabs. I'm just I'm. Uh... No, no, no. Moving on. Come on, next question, for yeah. fuck's sake. All right. 
Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that would be it though. My you know prepare for CrossFit the way you would prepare for sport. Um, all right, Gareth asks us. He says, uh, given that Kaber is a dopamine agonist, what are the risks of using it at 0.25 milligrams every third day for the entire duration of a cycle involving NPP for say 12 weeks? Preventative measure, but not based on response. To to regular blood work. NPP dose uh, where caber is required, say 600 milligrams. I wouldn't say there is a dose where caber is required. I would say that's very much down to the individual and particularly down to the individual's estrogen management. Yes. However, I would suggest that if you want to run something preventive, I'd be much more comfortable with running P5P than I would with running something like caber. Okay. I, I just I'm I not comfortable with messing with, with dopamine in that sense if it's not actually needed. Yeah. And I, I would much rather look at other ways. Um yeah, if you need caber, you need caber, unfortunately. If you can't if you can't control um prolactin with P five P then then you obviously you're gonna have to look at something stronger. But I, I wouldn't jump to that in the first instance. That's I suppose, in a way, paramount to jump into training your second cycle. It's like, you know, it's a very strong, powerful drug, and I would avoid its use if, if at all possible. I would say this, Dave, that in the people that I've worked with over the over the years that have used DECA or NPP, the number of them that actually needed something like this were few. I do see more people with crash prolactin than I do with elevated prolactin. Really? Okay. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and generally that's because people default to caber. Okay. Because they're going on an andalone cycle, you know, the Decker or MPP, and even Trend as well. Um, and yet I've found not everybody, but a lot of people will manage their prolactin very, very well just on P5P if it started before the cycle started. Okay. It doesn't seem to be as effective if you're bringing it in to try and rectify an existing problem. Yeah. But it does seem to work much, much better if you have it in before you start. And you had mentioned on a previous episode that 500 milligrams was a good place for P5P, right? Yeah, that, that would be my start point. And then just testing it just from there. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, the, I think the big thing, the big takeaway in all of this stuff is you you need to know what it is you're trying to fix. And, and and I know testing's expensive and I know testing's a pain in the ass, but it is the only way you're gonna know what you're trying to fix. True, yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's, it works out more cost-effective long-term because you're only then using the drugs that are required to manage the problem that you've got, rather than, how many times have you seen people say, oh, I've got this, I've got that right, throw this at it, throw that at it, throw the other at it. And they end up on three or four different things. Right. To no avail of knowing which, it fixes the problem, but it's like, wait, but which one fixed the problem? <laughs> right, right. Because next time I do this, I'm going to have to ring all this shit again because <laughs> I don't know which one actually did the fucking thing I needed it to do. Yeah. Um, and, and that is a problem. So in the same way as we we spend time learning to train or we spend time learning to ride a bike or drive a car and we have mistakes and we have problems and we have to go back and redo bits 
there's nothing wrong with that happening in cycle as well. You know, learning from the cycle what works and what doesn't work. And though you might not have the most productive cycle in the way of muscular gains, you might come away from that cycle having learned a fucking shit ton about how your body works. Yeah. Which is going to so help you future, in the future. Yeah. Future cycles are much more productive. Yeah. All right. You know, we had, uh, I'm going to go to the next question here. One of them in our live feed. We had a lot of really good feedback on your training talk. We talked about training arms and a lot of people really enjoyed that. Uh, Vincent Ford has a training question. He says, question for Dave's underappreciated training knowledge. Uh, what would you train to improve a weak area on a deadlift? I'm able to lift the weight about three to four inches off the floor, but unable to move it after that point. So a lot would depend on how your form is in your deadlift. Are you um, a very leg-driven deadlifter mm. or a very back-driven deadlifter? Uh, and some of it may quite literally be that your core is collapsing you and it's not staying strong. So I would definitely look at working on your core position, working on your back line so that your back is in a nice, positively arched shape. Your hips are low and you're driving up from below the bar. Box squats, they will really help a deadlift massively. Yeah. yeah. Box squats are very, very useful for deadlift. But it does depend on not so much that your sticking point is that four inch off the floor, but it's what position is your body in at that sticking point. That makes sense. Sure. So it, so if you if you find that you lift, you, you pull four or five inch off the floor, then you stall out, but that your legs are pretty much fully straight at that point, then what's happening is your hips are moving and your back's not. So you need to increase your core strength and learn to lift with your head and shoulders first yeah. So they become the lead point of the drive and then drive your hip underneath it like you would in a squat more than lean over your ass comes high and then you're trying to fucking piston jacket over your back. Yeah. I was thinking like chains. What about a, you know, it, 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 as you lift the weight. Oh, and Andrew, I think he kind of, he says um, block pull deadlifts can carry over to the lockout and banded deads so that's what i was thinking banded chains. As well. they are, yeah because if you think about it the weight's um, going to be lighter yeah. at the bottom and then you're going to have to work harder in that as as you lift so something like a chain or that, a, that's that's definitely more of a lockout thing with a band but you are going to not you're you, it, but, go ahead no you first go on I was just going to say that you are increasing that tension, though, where you it's going to get you're going to be able to really put a lot more effort into that second half of the movement, I guess. That's what I was thinking. I get that, but it's problems at four inch. OK, bands aren't really going to kick unless you're doubling them up to quite a bit higher. Yeah. I suspect it's more of an ass is going up first. OK. Just a uh, just a part of his technique that needs to maybe change, which, which would be. But the other thing is, the other thing you can do is work on a um, off a three and four inch block has been suggested, yeah. so that you're right at that stall point and learn to develop the power from that stall point. Yeah, I could see that. 
You would, were you a deadlifter? Do you like deadlifts? I'm shit at them. Absolutely yeah. fucking garbage. I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible deadlifter. You're good at squats. I, I saw you move. God, how many plates was in that picture I saw of you, Dave? You had like the whole bar basically loaded up. That was that was 340, I think. 340. What does that mean in normal people, like, you know, English? About 750. It's a lot of weight. That seven fit that I I used to not huge numbers of reps, but I'd get four, five, six out with that. That's scary weight, actually. All right, I'll move on here. See what else we got. What else do we have here? I don't think I grabbed this one yet. Um, loving the podcast. Looking for gains on the bike. I'm pretty fit, but struggling. With my weight, I'm a hundred kilograms. Uh, I'm a hundred kilograms, but can't seem to lose the weight. Uh, I train four days a week. On my first cycle, I'm four weeks in. Test E, three hundred milligrams. EQ, three hundred milligrams. T ball, thirty a day. I decided to also include Clen two weeks on, two weeks off, tapering to one twenty micrograms and 75 milligrams of T4. I eat really clean, and yes, no cheesecake, but still no weight loss. I look a little leaner and realize it's probably muscle gain mass, muscle mass maybe. Uh, also finding I crash or bonk um, on longer rides than I used to off of the gear. You think it's down to not enough calories when out riding as muscle mass needed more intake. Keep up the good work. I think there's a little picture of a British flag and a little picture of an American flag getting along there. And so there's no mention of his actual diet. Um, yeah. Which I suppose really is sort of quite important when we're talking, trying to discuss why someone may not be losing weight, but one thing that he does come across is he, he's he's under the impression, at least, that he's got leaner, but his weight hasn't changed, which would suggest that he's gained muscle mass. So if he's gained muscle mass, then to me that would suggest that his calories are possibly a little bit too high currently. I would think so too. But, but the other thing is that if he's leaned up, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he, he's leaner, but at the same weight, which is obviously a positive. So the other thing is don't get overly fixated with the scales. If you're getting leaner and the scales aren't moving, I wouldn't be fucking complaining. Um, cycle endurance on long rides could well be down to carbs. Yes, it could well be down to the fact that you just your, your muscles are going to burn more energy because they are larger. They're carrying more mass. And as a result, you're going to need more energy to sustain them. And it may be worth looking at a uh, carb gel pack or something during that trip in order to uh, sustain yourselves. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think that nutritional timing is paramount. If I mean, that's that's one of the things as a coach, you know, I'm looking at, I'm sure you're looking at, Dave, if I were working with a cyclist, I'd want to make sure that he had the nutrition he needed around his time that he would be riding to get what he needed out of that. That would be a, a prime focus. And, you know, I will say this, man, that 
once you add gear into a plan, all bets are off on what's going to happen with the scale. If he's not taking pictures, he should start taking progress pictures to evaluate what kind of progress he's making. That you could have somebody that's losing two pounds a day, two or two pounds a week, two pounds a week, and you know he's cruising along. And then once you add in the gear, that may change. So I definitely would consider that. And it, as Dave said too, it's got to be the diet. Um, He's back. We weren't talking about you while you were away. That's okay. I had to let the cat in. Mrs. Meep? Mrs. Meep, yes. How is she? Cold. Yeah? Well, you paid yeah, for the heating bill, so they turned it back on. So that's a start. We've, we've got a... Scott, don't be like that. What? I'm just speaking the truth. Don't be like that. You know why they... traumatic... I've had a traumatic time with heating. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm, suff I'm suffering from trauma. All right. I've got plenty of fat to keep me warm. I'm good. <laughs> Reza asks us, uh, my LDL is running high, but I'm a pretty healthy guy. No high cycles or anything yet. Yet. I'm apparently, uh, it's apparently genetic. Are there any... Uh, suggestions you have to control LDL when going on cycle. Also, this uh, also what would you recommend is a good marker for LDL? Mine seems to be low, but my doctor says it's fine. Does he mean HDL is low? I, I don't know. That's what I don't. I can't understand because he's saying LDL is high, but LDL is low. I think that's yeah. I. <laughs> Well, let's address uh, um, high LDL. The, well, depends what you're talking about high as well. Um, so when you test LDL, there's, there's, there's different types of LDL. Uh, not all of them are bad, but unfortunately to test them separately is, is very expensive. So they are generally grouped together as one result LDL. So it's not always a reflection of bad diet so you need to look at ldl results in line with what you're actually consuming if you know your diet is clean and you know your fat intake is low and your ldl is a little bit elevated i wouldn't be particularly concerned i really wouldn't but also just be careful and this actually came up with somebody last week whose ldl was very high hmm. um and he was saying, oh, I eat really clean. And it was turned out he was eating chicken thighs with the skin on. Huh, so he was actually consuming real. quite, yeah, he was actually consuming a lot more fat than he thought. Yeah. But obviously to, to him, it's chicken, so it's lean, which is not always necessarily the case. So don't, you know, review the fat intake in the meats you are eating because there is quite a lot of fat in meat. And generally when you see people that have, healthy diets where LDL is elevated, it's usually coming from dairy or it's coming from meat fat. Mm, okay. Um, I'd be much, I'd be, if your LDL was anywhere between three and four and you knew your diet was rarely reasonable, I wouldn't be too bothered. I wouldn't be too fastidious about getting it down. 
it's always helpful, but I, I wouldn't be overly obsessed with it. I'd be much more concerned about where my HDL was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I find HDL is what be, gets destroyed a lot of times for people, yeah. you know, on cycle especially. It, I, I've seen some ridiculously low levels in some people. Yeah, especially if you start getting into orals. Generally speaking, most people that cycle regularly, you'll see their LDL somewhere about 0.7. Uh, and and upwards of their serious users or heavy AI users or heavy oral users, you start getting down to like the 0.4. Hmm. But I've I have seen stuff as low as 0.12. I don't know what that means. We we go like I think like 50 is a good HDL. Right. So the the lower limit for HDL in the UK is 1.1. Okay. And you said they go to what? So the lowest I've seen is 0.12. Nort? So to convert that to American, that would be five. Oh, yeah, that's fucking low. Yeah. <laughs> that's really low. So most I see around the 35 mark in American. Okay. Fish oil? Fish oil is a good supplement yeah. for your HDL to try to keep that up. I don't think people are taking enough, and I think people are getting it from the grocery store. We we have yeah. I don't know about you Dave but we have fish oil cheap crappy fish oil at the grocery store and in, uh, I know so many people that just pick it up from there just whatever they have it says fish oil it's all the same yeah no I would I would severely consider spending the money and investing in stuff like red krill oil yeah I don't use krill oil yeah. but I use a high quality fish oil um because it definitely all all fish oil is definitely not the same. Mm. Um, red krill is, is absorbed much easier, um, or, um, has a better bioavailability. So I would definitely look up to that. Um, with LDL, I mean, obviously dietary inclusions can help with your LDL, you know, things like, uh, plant star oils and, and, uh, oats, um, definitely have a nice impact on LDL. Okay. You can look at slow niacin. Yeah. That's another supplement you can play with. A word of warning with niacin, we have covered this in the past, just test it first. Eh? Because if you're not very tolerant of niacin, you will soon find out. Lysine. It's not pleasant. Didn't we lysine, talk about that? Lysine and vitamin C? One gram vitamin C, five gram lysine twice a day. Yes. Dean talks about but that. But I would only consider using that. I would only look at using that protocol if you were sort of in the lower half of your HDL range. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see what else um, we have here, Dave. Paige. And I'm not sure who she's speaking of here. She said, I heard Dave P. You're Dave C. Dave P. I've heard Dave Palumbo. P. Oh, Palumbo. Palumbo say to never inject the legs. So I was curious if it was that serious not to. I mean, my own coach told me to. And I definitely trust her. It's down to how well you tolerate injecting in that site at the end of the day. I mean, I couldn't put testing my legs ever. No. But I could shove I could shove Decker in there to the cows came on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say this, man, I feel like a lot more people have gotten infections in their quads. I don't know why. I just see a lot of quad infections. Well, I mean, technically, 
anabolics are intermuscular injections and therefore they can be injected into any muscle true the denser the fiber in that muscle the more painful that shot's going to be mm. because when the oil is in there it's going to be struggling for space so yeah. it'll put more pressure on the muscle fibers yeah obviously rate of injection how often you've used that site all play into how painful that injection site's going to be yeah um you know i mean you'd never consider injecting your forearms but that's only because the muscle in your <laughs> forearms is so dense yeah vincent ford says uh, i think he doesn't like quads due to it having a lot of nerves in the area hmm. that makes sense they do yeah i mean the glutes were the the site of favor yeah. because there's there's low vascularity in the glutes and there's low nerve response in the glutes so generally you you're going to be a bit hard pushed to fuck up effectively yeah yeah but i mean i've i've the only body part i haven't used is traps forearms and hamstrings when i was a kid they my dad's friends were doing like um bull bull testosterone bull testy extract injections and they would do them right in the trap because they thought that like that's where you stored testosterone well there was that there was always the, i mean there's that oh, there's higher level of androgen receptors in your yeah traps, isn't yeah yeah i never did yeah. traps either uh, no i've not done traps not them forearms um i've not done hamstrings i've done chest done lats done delts done buys done tries done quads done calves lats you say lats yeah that was interesting yes lats all right what else do we have here i think we have one or two more um i have a bottle of synthroid t4 300 micrograms per tab and a bottle of cytomel t3 100 micrograms per tab uh, what is the ideal dosage combination of the two for fat loss at the end? Should this be tapered down or can I stop cold Turkey? Much appreciated. I've always worked four to one. Okay. So I would look at to, to sort of replicate natural ranges, hundred, 100 micrograms of T4 against 25 micrograms of T3. Uh, once you go up from that, you start going uh, super pharmacological within your levels. Okay, yeah. Uh, with regards to recovery, from what I've seen in bloods, generally most people can take four, six weeks to recover. Yeah, that long, huh? Yeah, yeah surprisingly yeah uh a couple longer but the other thing is what what also adds to this is obviously we use t4 t3 because we wanted to cut so we're in a dieting phase which is already going to suppress thyroid function anyway true um and what if you're lean at the end of it and you're trying to maintain that leanness that's going to suppress your thyroid function as well yeah so as a result it, it can hold recovery back a little bit. The other thing is obviously growth hormone as well is going to lower T4. And I've seen a lot of that recently. Yeah. Mm. Like how, like, like to, to clinically hypo levels. Yeah. Well, 
So sort of below end of range. Um, so I'm trying to think what I think it's I think it's twelve to about twenty two is is the UK range for T four. Okay. Uh, and I'll I'll see them down into the sevens. You're kidding me. No. So a guy like that would benefit whether he was bulking or cutting to add some level of supplemental T4 in. If you're going to run growth long-term, then I would at least at the sort of six to eight week mark, just test your thyroid and see where it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and if it's required, then add some T4 in, yes. Um, but it would, it, it, again, it's don't guess and, and don't throw drugs in because you think you're going to need them. Yeah, 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 and people do that a lot with T4 now. They hear about how you should take T4 with growth, and then they they instantly are on it, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, I've seen people on growth long-term that have had no problems with the thyroid. You said you recently saw that. Um, do you remember or did you know how much growth the guy was using? Um, they were around, there was several that all came at once, and that's the only reason why it popped in my head, because it was like we had... We had probably half a dozen within okay. a day or two that were all in the same scenario. No kidding. Um, and I think the highest dose was six IU, and the lowest dose was about three or four IU. Okay. And it were, they were ED protocols. Okay. Yeah, obviously, the less you take, the less of a risk that's going to be that you're going to have that increased conversion from T4 to T3, leaving your T4 low. Oh, and obviously the um, EOD approach as well. Okay, yeah. You well, like that. You like that, I do, yeah. You? I do. If, if you're looking at growth for a long-term investment, yeah, then I think the EOD approach is, is, is good. If you're looking at growth for a short term, i.e. I'm cutting for a show, I'm running growth as a fat loss agent, then I think ED is fine. Yeah. But if you're looking at uh, youth sort of preventive sort of you know anti-aging type approach to growth where you're doing a low dose over a very extended period of time then i would definitely go the eod route yeah all right uh one more question here from the question that the question hat i have a hat here i just pull them all out um which has more progesterone and prolactin problems trend versus npp milligram for milligram i honestly couldn't say i would say milligram for milligram trend because think about 300 think about how strong of an effect 300 trend would have trend ace versus 300 mpp so what i can tell you is that trend engages with a progesterone receptor at a ratio of one to one okay mpp engages it i think it's 25 percent Oh, okay. So the other thing is progesterone. There's fuck all you can do about it. Yeah. Well, there isn't, is there? Uh, unless have you ever tried an anti-progesterone drug? No. <laughs> they are not pleasant. What do you get out of it? What What do you experience with that? You feel like fucking dog shit. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, the size on anti-progesterone drugs are awful. Huh. So the thing is, we get a bit uh, progesterone. There's very little we can do about it unless we actually just stop the drugs that are going to engage it. 
Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, Novadex actually does have uh, a antagonist effect at certain uh, at the progesterone receptor. So even though Novadex is a selective estrogen receptor modulator, it does have an impact on progesterone receptors. It does affect the PR as well. I've heard this. So Novadex will actually Novadex will actually block the PR as well. Um, but really, you know what your progesterone is going to be when you're on a cycle of a, um, an androlone or a trend is what it's going to be. There's not really much you can fucking do about it. Manage everything else and just, and that, to be honest, I've very rarely seen anyone genuinely having problems derived from progesterone either. No kidding. It's generally, we tolerate it quite well. I've never seen anyone with progesterone level higher than about 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, okay. um, which, which is, you know, so it's not astronomical in any shape or form. Um, but to trend definitely has the better engagement with the PR. Uh, and, and that's the thing. Neither of these drugs are actually creating progesterone. They're engaging with the PR. So, um, I actually think NPP would, Scott might have more than this if he's still in. Uh, but I actually think MPP would create higher progesterone levels than Trend would. Really? And, and here's my logic. Trend, both those drugs act like progestins, but they're not, sorry, progestins, but they're not true progestins. But it's a, it is, me and Scott have discussed this in the past, and it's a, it's a bit of a where you're coming from argument, really. Um, because Trend has this literal one-to-one -one engagement, as far as your body's concerned, that's progesterone that's engaging that receptor to, to, to a large extent. Because DECA has a much lower affinity, I am of the opinion that that would cause the body to think that progesterone is low. Hmm. Because it's not delivering a, a, a signal as strong. Yeah. So the body's only getting 25% of what it would get if progesterone engaged with that receptor. But that receptor is still occupied because it's occupied by MPP. Hmm. So as a result, it would trick your body into thinking progesterone is low. Okay. I'd be curious so to hear my... what Scott had to say, too. That would be uh, that'd be a good conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, that's my theory, but it is theory. It is pure theory. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all the time we had for the day, guys. We appreciate everybody who's tuned in and everybody who's made it this far into the program. Thanks, everybody who's been watching live with us. You guys are freaking awesome. For everybody at YouTube, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, hit the button, hit the bell, all that stuff, because we have several podcasts coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. Uh, if you're in the UK, UK proper, if you're in Yorkshire, Find Dave. Go to Eval. Actually, you don't have to be in Yorkshire, right? You could be in a lot of places. You guys send the, the blood boosts out. So we have a clinic in Glasgow, which is Louise Taylor from Botany. We have a mobile phleb who works the London area for us, so she will come to your home. We also run a phleb clinic or a blood clinic at Crayford Weights and Fitness on the second Saturday of every month. Nice. Starting in January. And we run a blood clinic at Rip Gym in Basildon on the second Sunday of every month. 
We have a new clinic opening in Bradford on Saturday. It's, this Saturday? If it's done in time. Yeah, I'm not, okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I think it might be the Saturday after, but it's supposed to be this Saturday. And then we have a clinic in Ambleside, the Lake District area, which we plan to staff full-time next year. And obviously then you've got the, the, the blue boost. Uh, pottering about. <laughs> Damn, dude. The company's growing. It is, but it's that awkward place where it, it's growing and costing a fucking fortune and not getting to see anything for it yet. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're investing but, at the moment uh, to build into future growth. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yes, it is. It is. We are trying to expand. Nice. All right, guys. Well, listen. You can also uh, you can also help to support our programming by shopping with our sponsors. You can buy some ephedrine today from SupplementSource.ca if if you're in Canada, and also check out uh, TrueNutrition.com. Uh, they've been our title sponsor for a long time. I appreciate them very much. You can get awesome protein powders, health supplements, performance supplements. Use our code THINK for some additional savings. And uh, that's all we got for you, Dave Crossland. As always. Chip, chip, cheerio, my friend. This program is for educational purposes. It fits within YouTube's guidelines under the context of science.